Uh, we are joined by the CEO, Sheetal Mars. I uh, do want to let you know that this call is covered by the forward-looking statements that you can find in the company's filings as well as in every press release. So with that, uh, I want to hand the floor over and the call over to Ms. Sheetal Mars. Sheetal, are you with us? Yes, yes, yes. We're here. I have with me uh, Armin, who, who many of you know and have, have spoken to. I have our chairman of the board, Jay Weisberg, and I have a few shareholders, including our controller and one shareholder who came in specifically uh, for the meeting today. I'm happy that um, you guys have been able to join in on the call. Our other two board members were not able to come in. We have the storm coming this weekend, um, so they've decided to stay with, with their families and not fly in for this meeting, but they are available. And um, if we have to get questions answered by those board members directly, we can send them off to send it off to them. Um, I'm going to call the meeting to order, and just, I'm going to start with a few of the agenda items, the first being the, the voting measure that all of us got proxy notices about. I'm going to describe in detail what the vote was about, what the pros and cons of that vote were, and the results at the end of this, so that way we all know where that stands. And then I'm going to deal with some housekeeping items, um, some shareholder questions that we frequently, frequently get. And we do have a shareholder presence and shareholders present in the room and I'm going to open it up to them to ask some questions that they feel is necessary to, to discuss. Um, I may not be able to answer every question, and if I cannot answer, I will try to get an answer shortly and disseminate to everyone. I don't want to provide answers on a per-shareholder basis, so I'm going to answer to everyone all at once. So to begin, let's talk about the voting measure. So we voted... We all received proxy notices. The measure to be voted on was an increase in authorized shares from $500 million to a billion. We put that up for a vote to all of the shareholders. It includes all of the common. It does include the super voting preferred as well. To vote on this measure, the majority of the voting shares outstanding was, needing, was needed to have form and to approve the vote. That vote was concluded yesterday. I believe uh, nearly half of the share of the common shares outstanding did vote and the super voting preferred did vote and i will be revealing the revo results of that i want to talk about why we have this this voting measure on the table for all of our shareholders and why we felt it was necessary to put it to our shareholders because we're one of the few companies especially on the otc markets that believes in transparency believes that our shareholders should have to say and believe that it's important that they participate in the big decision-making of this company. We executed a credit facility with, with Chicago Venture Partners and Iliad, which are the same principles as Chicago Venture Partners, to execute on the acquisition this year. We raised about $4 million that came into the company. $1 million went direct to us. The other three are uh, held in escrow. One million of the three million was released. Owners or the prior owners of FPRF. There are still more funds to be released through from that, from that escrow account over time. But we did borrow those funds because we understand that in order to 
have sustainability, to have viability, and to have prosperity in this industry, we have to grow fairly aggressively. And we found a location, we found a company that we believe is our best opportunity to move ourselves northward. Reimbursements are better as you move northward. And we have said for the last few years that our plans were always to go from Miami-Dade, Broward County, to Palm Beach County, and then to Orlando I-4 corridor. And that is precisely what we did. We felt it was necessary to deliver on that for our shareholders, as it's what we've been proclaiming was the plan for many years. And we executed, and it's, it's a really important thing that we were able to secure um, these new locations. In order to have that, the investor did put up money, and for that there is a liability. There is a note outstanding which uh, accrues interest, and the terms of that note is available through all of our filings on OTC markets, feel free to read every document. We put the documents in full, uh, made available on OTC markets, so you can read the contracts in full and understand uh, understand its terms. But part of that agreement was a reserve of shares to make good on our liability there, make good on the note. We estimate that about 300 million shares would be necessary to satisfy the reserve. I understand that that is not the full amount of the extra 500 million shares that we have requested. It is not in anyone's intention to use the full amount. If we can use as little as possible, that is what we intend to do. We don't issue any more shares outside of, out of, outside of the liability, but we did need to have a full contingent of shares to be on reserve for the, the secured creditor and ha- give them some peace of mind that their their money is well spent and that they have a, a secured position within the company. So that's why we put this notice to, to a vote. And we also understand that there are cons to this vote. We understand that there are many shareholders who are fearful of dilution, who would appreciate the company pursuing more cash-based measures to secure more private privatized loans, and to their, to their credit, we understand that that is an effect of increasing the authorized shares. We understand that there is an effect of dilution to our shareholders. We are making every effort to mitigate that dilution as much as possible, but at the same time, we do not want to be in default with our secured creditor, and we don't want to put the longevity and viability of the company at risk The capital was much needed and put to good use this year. So... We, we want to make sure that we heard your voice and we understand that many shareholders voted against increasing the authorized, um, and we understand how you feel. And we're not here to say that that is an invalid feeling. We understand that you feel strongly that we need to protect shareholder value here, and we are doing that. Um, to go towards the result of, uh, of the vote, the measure did pass. Um, let me pull up the actual summary of votes cast. Um, of the total votes, 652 million votes were cast out of 890 million. This is, these are approximate numbers. 652 million and change were cast over, uh, uh, of 80, 890 million total possible votes. The votes we have abstain was 1.7 million with 0.26% of the vote. Vote no was 8.96% of the vote. That amounted to about 58 million 
uh, shares and change, and 90.778% voted in favor of increasing the authorized shares to a billion. As per this vote, the increase in authorized shares will now go through our attorneys and will be filed with the state of Delaware, and we will be providing this updated notice to OTC markets and to our secured creditor that the measure is passed. For a moment of clarity, I do, I do know that many of you know that the super voting preferred votes were cast in this, and that amounted to about $453 million. So even without um, the super voting preferred being cast, the amount of shares was about $139 million of common to $58 million uh, of common voting no. So the measure, we would have struggled with form, but the measure would have uh, passed uh, pretty much anyway. So we want to we want to thank everybody for voting, and we want to show you that it isn't just us here in this boardroom that are voting uh, for these measures. It, it isn't just us uh, that are insiders that are voting for these measures. That there were a number of common stock shareholders that voted in favor of this because they understand that this needed to be d- done to make sure we were in compliance with our secured financing agreement, and we thank everybody. And we thank everyone who voted yay or nay. I'm so happy that we had so many people participate. I'm so happy that everybody got their proxy notices from their brokerage firms and were able to file online and vote, so I thank everybody anyway. We should be updating all of our documents and all of our public releases in, uh, around September 4th. Keep in mind we have the storm coming. So hopefully we will be up and running on September uh, September 3rd. We were closed anyway for Labor Day. Hopefully we'll be up and running September 3rd and we'll be able to get all these notices out and all of our shareholders publicly informed of the outcome of the vote because I know not everybody's here on this call. I wanted to now move on to some, some housekeeping items. I know we get a lot of questions and a lot of concerns that... Some of the, what, what's happening with the shares? What's happening with insider shares? Are we planning to issue more shares to insiders? Are we planning to issue more shares outside of the financing agreement? So I'm going to deal with those one at a time. Number one, any share that has been issued to an insider of this company, uh, anybody who's in this room right now, has not sold a single share. They haven't bought shares. They're not short shares. They are not engaging in market activities. And we want to do that for the peace of mind of our shareholders. We're not trying to manipulate the market. We're not trying to go out there and make the company look better than it is or worse than it is. We're leaving that up to the market to decide. Obviously, everybody in this room wants the shares to go up. We believe in this company. We believe in its value. We hope that all of you do as well. But understand that nobody in this room, not me, not Armin, not Jay, not anybody, is, is clearing their stock or selling their stock, and that hasn't happened. If it ever does, there are rules in place to prevent us from share, from selling in certain volumes. There are rules in place that we have to provide advance notification, that there are, there are blind selling plans where if we decided we needed to sell for some reason, everybody is notified and everybody is notified of the plan. So you guys will not be in the dark. It won't be happening under your nose. You guys will be fully informed of every share that gets sold by any insider in the company, but we don't see that upcoming. The newly authorized shares and any shares that we have now that we we have under reserve under our current authorization are not for giving and issuing to board members, to insiders, to executives. 
the only shares that may be issued to a Funko employee are those that are newly eligible or eligible per our profit-sharing plan. We want our employees to be involved in the profits. We want them to be involved in the growth and feel like they have some skin in the game so that we get their best effort. So there are, there are employees who are full-time employees that become eligible after a year. They may be eligible to receive stock grants from the company. That's it. It's not coming to me. It's not coming to Jay. It's not coming to Armin. I know a year ago we issued shares. Keep in mind, everybody in here have, has been with this company for 10 years or more. And we were on the cusp of big things. We were doing our first acquisition. We were planning for our second acquisition. It didn't make sense for us to leave ourselves out, leave our employees out of that growth. But that's it. It's a one-time deal and we're done. So I know there's, there's a lot of speculation that all these shares are going to be issued to us. That's not the case. We're not going to be using these shares willy-nilly to, to pay for this, that, and the other thing. We try as much as we can to pay for our services in cash. Um, there may be times where we have to issue stock, just as we did for the shareholders, uh, the former uh, owners of FPRX. We issued stock to them, again, for them to have skin in the game and be, participate in the growth of the company. But this increase in authorized is for the sole purpose, and everyone here, when we voted on it as a board and we discussed it amongst ourselves, is for the sole purpose of staying in compliance with the, the secured creditor. We do not want to issue stock to the, to the maximum limit. Another thing that gets asked a lot is our thoughts on a reverse. I've said this a lot on our earnings calls. I've put it out in our press releases. Our feelings on a reverse have not changed. It's not up to us to decide, in, up, up to us in this room, our board members, our executive staff, to decide that a reverse is necessary and we're doing it. It is up to the shareholders to say that this is the appropriate time for it and for them to vote for it. And in the case of a reverse, the super voting preferred will not count. It will be up to common shareholders only to approve that measure. It is not for me to be for it or against it. If it is determined to be necessary, we hope that it will be up to the shareholders to decide that it is necessary. We anticipate that if that were ever the case, it will be for an uplift and it's a one-time only deal, and the shareholders will come to us and say, it's time. We're ready. You're ready to uplift. You've got the, the board in place. You've got the SOX compliance in place, and this is the last piece. But we're not here to promote it. We're not here to say we're doing it. We need to leave the speculation of a reverse off the table because it's not going to come from us saying we're doing it. It's going to come from the company being ready, and it's going to come from the shareholders, and that's it. Um, as far as, as moving forward, we've executed on, on the acquisition of FBRX. We're moving into Orlando. We nearly doubled in size. We have the building. We have the build-out of the building to do. All of that remains the same. We are moving forward. We're looking at opportunities for new acquisitions. We evaluate each of those on a case-by-case -case basis. Um, we're looking, again, for companies that are synergistic with ours. We're looking for companies that bring us to markets where we can easily extend ourselves. We're not trying to grow faster than, than we are able and put at risk everything we've built here. We care very much about our shareholders. It's one thing that keeps me up at night. It makes my eyes twitch just to make sure that I know that people's uh, retirement savings are in this company, people's college funds are in this company, um, people's livelihoods are in this company. That's no small thing.
thing, and everybody here respects that. Everybody here respects every dollar and every penny you have put into believing in this company. And we hope that you understand from our perspective as a board and as executive staff, as employees, that this is it. This is our bread and butter. This is our, There's no other money. There's no side gig. There's no side hustle. There's no anything. It's just this. And our, our kids' futures are in this, too. Our livelihoods are in this, too. If something terrible were to happen here, we're, we're just as hurt. We're just as out of a job as, as everybody else. Our blood, sweat, and tears go down the drain with everybody else. So we're here to care about your shareholder value, but also for the livelihood of our employees, for the safety and security of our patients, for the, the safety and security of the services we provide to our providers and the insurance carriers and everybody else, and we take that all very seriously. An- another common misconception is the relationship that Armin has here and I have here. I have no other money. The salary that is disclosed online is all I get. There's nobody paying me on the side. There's nobody selling something on the side and paying me any extra money. I get nothing from Spark. Armin and I started Spark in 2010 when we, did not, when we were not full-time employees here. And we did that to help people with bookkeeping, with administrative staffing, all that kind of stuff when we worked at our brokerage firm. When I came on board, I gave Spark entirely to him. I do not get a paycheck from him. I do not get anything from Spark. There's no side agreement. There's no side arrangement. My salary is what it is, and it is disclosed. And every year when we do our audits, that salary is matched up. So you know that there's no other money. With, with our, our board members, they have their other businesses, but they also don't have side agreements. There's no separate pot of money coming from the company that goes to the board members other than what is disclosed. And the same thing with Armin. Armin's money is disclosed. Everything he does here is disclosed, the work that he does here. And one of, the one, one of the misconceptions that I believe is out there is that he's not working, that he didn't earn that money, that he's just taking money from the company. Armin wakes up at, at 6 o'clock in the morning and doesn't go to bed until 11 o'clock at night, and sometimes I get emails from him at 4 o'clock in the morning. So he doesn't sleep at all. <laughs> he works every single day. Every doctor has a meeting with Armin personally. Every shareholder gets a call back from Armin personally. If you need to reach him, he never doesn't have time for you. He never shies away from answering a question. He always gives you 100% of his time, effort, and energy, and he gives it to this company every single day. I, I want everyone to understand that because I know that there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of other OTC companies, pink sheet companies, that don't care about the money, they're just using to make money off shareholders and take all the money for themselves and then disappear. That's not us. That never will be us. That never has been us. And and we will continue that. Any money that gets distributed to any of the insiders here, any increase in our salaries is fully disclosed. It's approved by the board. It's appropriate. And it will be available to all of our shareholders to see. So I wanted to clear those few things up because it does kind of bother me. Integrity is something that matters so much to me. And I present myself as fully transparent as I can. I don't want anyone ever to feel that they're being lied to or that they're being misled or that they're not getting full disclosure from this company because that, that hurts me personally and I would never allow it. So I wanted to clear up all of those issues. 
I think that's it on the housekeeping measures. And I'm now I'm going to open it up to everybody who's here, even our board who wants to, to um, add to the discussion and, and add to uh, what you guys need. Um, I have the, uh, a shareholder here who will, who will ask questions. And then at the end of this, I'll give everybody an update on Hurricane Dorian and our, our preparations. So I'm going to open it up to anybody here if they want to add comments or ask questions. Yeah, one question. Is, uh, what Can you announce your, your name? Yeah, my name is uh, Steve Lawrence, and I'm a shareholder, personal shareholder. And my question is, what is our timeline uh, currently for SEC compliance? So SEC compliance, we're still targeting for next year. We put that on hold to execute on the acquisition. And that is the only reason it was put on hold. If we were to go SEC filing in March before we did this acquisition, we never would have been able to buy it because they, they, this company is about the size of us, and they were a hybrid cash basis private company. And they run their books the way private companies do. So we needed to be OTC so that we have the time to get their books underway. We brought their books here. We have full control of them now. And now we're beginning the process of, of getting everything gap compliant and beginning the audit. We're still looking at audits in January 2020, getting all the books and stuff ready. We, if we are finished earlier, we're finished early. We're pushing as, far, as fast as we can. We know we have the audits here, but they need, because they represent more than 25% of our income, we need to have two years of audits when we put them into the S1. So you're still looking at 2020. If that, if that program changes for any reason, we will let everybody know and the reasoning behind it. If there's something that comes up that, that says it's not a good time to do that, everybody will be involved. Is there anything anybody wants to add? Second question. Yes. Uh, what is the current plan or activities uh, around CBD sales? Okay, so that's a great question. Um, <laughs> Everybody's smiling. Yes, everybody's smiling here because that's such a great question. Um, we have, as, as we said in other calls, we struggle with the legalities of it. it the DEA still says the CBD derived from cannabis sativa L is illegal. The plant is still illegal because the DEA does not distinguish between male and female phenotypes of, of hemp marijuana cannabis. I prefer not to use hemp and marijuana because it's very confusing. They are the same plant. So I'm going to say cannabis sativa L male, which does not have THC. That is commonly referred to as hemp. And cannabis sativa L female, which has your flowering buds, has your seeds, has, has what we traditionally know as marijuana. So we have in the state of Florida, we're, we're trying to isolate we worked at, with manufacturers in Colorado, worked with manufacturers and sources in Europe. Importing the, is the issue because once it, it is an interstate issue, we fall under jurisdiction of the federal government. So even, even though it's approved by the Farm Bill, there's still a lot of discussion between the FDA and DEA on the interstate commerce viability of CBD. So we have to stay in-state and in-state only. So that means the plant from seed to the pharmacy has to be inside the state of Florida. So we have now looked for manufacturers. More importantly, we're looking for a lab, not just a source of hemp, not just a source of non-THC or 0.3% THC producing plants, 
but a lab. And the reason why we want a lab is because we want to have our own line. We know medicine better than everybody. We know holistic medicine fairly well as well. Um, everybody's heard of our compounding pharmacist, Momina Chiropetian, who has a wealth of knowledge. And I hope anybody, any shareholder, has an opportunity, and anybody in the world has an opportunity to talk to her. And also Pamela Roberts, who is our our manager of clinical operations. She's a PharmD. She's exceptionally knowledgeable. We call her Dr. Pam. She is a doctor. She deserves that title. She knows everything about this stuff, and we defer to them. But we want to create our own line that is for the health and well-being of our patients. We want patients to know what's in it. And we want to be able to say, we work with the lab. We don't want to subcontract it out because then we don't know what they're doing. So this is now working towards that. We believe we've identified a lab, so we're working on that on that line. Right now we have CBD on the shelf. We have three brands. One of them comes from a pharmaceutical wholesaler, so we know about its purity standards. There's another one where we've gone to Colorado and, and visited the facility and know its purity standards, and there's another one that is local. Who, who we've worked with for, for a number of years. So we keep a small amount on the shelf to dispense to patients who ask about it, where we're concerned that the quality of the product they're getting is not very good. So we want to make sure they're getting it, at least a quality product from us. We have to be very careful how we do it. We have to dispense only to in-state customers, and it's only available to our local customers right now. We're looking on marketing, all of that, and we're looking at how we can expand that out of the state. There are some hurdles with that federally. Uh, and we do have some in-state hurdles as well, but we're trying to do everything as best we can. We don't want to jeopardize our banking relationships because every application we file for, for, for new bank accounts or anything else, they always ask us how much are we involved in the business, what percentage. If it's over a certain percentage, they deem us high risk, and we may not have that banking relationship. So we have to be very careful. But in this room, we're all very excited about it. And we know what kind of wine we want to we produce. We know what kind of herbal therapeutics we want to we produce. And we also want to work on dosing. And we want to be a wealth of knowledge for people taking CBD along with other medications. So when you get this from us, if you're taking blood pressure medication, if you're taking something for that's an antidepressant, for instance, CBD has a big impact on that, that you're getting that information, like be careful taking this with that. So... If you're getting a product from PharmPro, at least you know you have that security. And I know there's been some questions about how to order it. Please call us. Please call the pharmacy. Please send an email. Please contact Armin. Armin's our general manager in the store. He's there every single day. So call him. He will get you in touch with Momona or any of our pharmacy technicians who can help you. And if we can get you uh, one of our products and one of our brands, we can. Or we can work with a brand to get it directly to you. So please call us. Yes. There's, you know, a lot of our shareholders are not really why it takes so long for us to be able to come out with our own line or get a little more aggressive, right? Just like other uh, producers or other distributors. And the problem is that, just like Shido said, we have to be very careful because we're a pharmacy. That's the only reason why is it, why we have to, you know, make sure that, the, that there's a good ratio between risk and reward, right? And that 
we don't put our company and our shareholders at risk because our main source of revenue today is the pharmacy. And prescription benefit managers are looking at us, and banks are looking at us, and, you know, DEA and the Board of Pharmacy and, and the FDA, and, you know, and FDA is very heavily involved right now in the whole CBD arena just because they approved a, a CBD drug, first CBD drug, and that actually put everybody in, into a, a little bit of a different situation, a lot of a different situation, because FDA is dictating that what you can put on a label, what you can say, what you cannot say, and a lot of the distributors and a lot of the manufacturers got into a situation where they received cease and desist letters and had to change a lot of the stuff. So we're being very careful, um, but we have an exciting opportunity because we know it works. It works for my father. It works for my you know, neighbor's enormous dog that has seizures you know, and has them no more or at least once every three months instead of once every week. We know that it works for people that are with uh, arthritis pain um, and, yes, sleep disorder. So there's so many things that it works very well with and we're excited about, we're passionate about. And, and we have over, what, 20,000 patients? Over 20,000 patients that, that we're servicing that we're going to be reaching out very soon. And we hope that we're going to be able to um, generate uh, business and uh, generate uh, patients that are going to be returning patients. And I believe that our uh, way of doing things is different from everybody else. We're not here just to sell. We're here to manage their therapy. So the biggest advantage uh, doing business with us or getting this uh, uh, CBD from us in a very near future is that we're going to know what your medications are. We're going to know who your doctors are. We're going to be able to see if there's any uh, duplications of therapies, if there's uh, you know any risk associated with, uh, uh, you know, Coumadin that you're taking, or blood pressure medication that you're taking, or or anything else, and we'll be able to manage it for you so that it works and it's actually helping rather than not. So that's what we want, and we're very uh, aggressively uh, pursuing getting the lab, and and Shido will be updating shortly on every single thing that we have uh, accomplished so far. So really quickly, I know that there, there may be some confusion about what we do as a pharmacy. I know in, the, in your mind that you think of pharmacy, you think of walking into a store, seeing a nice friendly face, they hand you a bag and you leave. That's normally what you think of a pharmacy. That's not what you're invested in. We do, and we're trying to get that message out, we do so much more than dispense medication. Dispensing medication is the least of what we do. It's what we get paid for, but it's the least of what we do. The reason we grow, the reason why we have so many prescriptions, the reason why patients can't switch back to CVS or Walgreens or Walmart or wherever is because they just can't get that level of care 
from any of the other major chains. And we're not here to compete with every independent out there. We believe in independent pharmacy, but we believe in care. And when you're investing in us, you're investing in a company that sends pharmacy technicians out to patients' homes, sends nurses out to patients' homes, are talking to patients with arthritis and they can't move, and are bringing their medications right to them, setting up a little box by them by the couch, making it so that they don't have to walk upstairs. We're cleaning out their medication of it, their, their cupboards of expired medication. Nobody does that. Nobody picks up their patient and brings them to the pharmacy so that they can have a consultation. Nobody picks up their patient and takes them to the doctor. Nobody has seen people literally have a heart attack when we come to drive, drop up medication and are calling 911 and bringing patients to the doctor, are communicating with caregivers, are communicating with doctors, are communicating with insurance carriers. No other pharmacy out there takes a PA. Most pharmacies, when they get a prior authorization, they say, I'm sorry, sir, your medication's not covered. That's not what happens at PharmCo. At PharmCo, if, some, if we see a rejection, your medication is not covered, that's not a good enough answer to us. If it's a necessary medication, we're calling the insurance company. We're calling the doctor. We're going to get you whatever medication you need at the most cost-effective price we can get it for you. A lot of people think that, you know, there's millions of dollars. We're the ones setting pharmaceutical prices. The price is what it is. When, when patients come to us and say their insulin price is so expensive and they have to pay $200 or $300, keep in mind we have to pay $300 for it. It's not that we paid $0.10 cents for it and we want to charge $300. In order to bring it into the pharmacy, it's $300. So the prices are set by insurance companies, by PBMs, by the, the pharmaceutical wholesaler and the manufacturer. We don't really have the opportunity to say, oh, we want to charge you less. We're not even allowed to tell you that your cash price is less than your insurance copay. Those are rules set by insurance companies. Those are rules set by pharmacy benefit managers. You're investing in a company that does care work. You're investing in a company that sees a patient on 15 medications, five of them for blood pressure, and taking them off all of those medications and saying, you should only be on five or you should only be on eight. And then taking it and putting it in unit dose packaging so that they don't have to sit at home on their Saturdays and sort and do math and worry. That's what you're investing in. I, I think there's a, a lot of our shareholders feel like they're just in, investing in, in a pharmacy, and that's not what you're, you're here to invest in. You're here to invest in a company that's trying to change the definition of a pharmacy, that's trying to be more care-oriented, to be a company that provides care, that's part of a care team, and isn't just a pharmacy. So I hope that you see value in that, because that's where, who we are and what we are, and that's what we believe in. With our HIV patients, we live in high-risk Miami, one of the hottest spots for, for HIV, new HIV infections in, in the world, and we are delivering HIV medications under bridges to the most impoverished among us. Nobody else does that. We believe in it because we believe that those who can do better should. You do the right thing just because it's the right thing, and we're not here. We're here to make money. We're here to grow this business. We're here to provide shareholder value, but you should also feel comfort that you're that you're investing in a company that does good work, that has that patients rely on, that patients believe in, that patients continue to come to month after month after month for care. And so, I hope that gives you a source of pride. I hope that you feel rewarded in that, 
And I hope that you leave this shareholder meeting and, and leave uh, this, this meeting and this vote feeling confident that your money is in, in good hands. Uh, last thing I'll talk about is the storm that's coming. Hurricane Dorian has slowed down, and it's looking like it will impact us Monday night. Um, we will feel an impact, whether it hits north or south of us or hits us head on. Even if it goes to Jacksonville, we're going to have rain and we're going to have bands and we're going to have wind. Farmco has survived many, many hurricanes in the past. Um, at, during Hurricane Irma, we didn't even lose power and we were up. So we were dispensing medications. Our doctor's offices didn't even have power. We were getting emergency medication to people whose insulin had spoiled through loss of power. We were we were one of the few pharmacies that were up and running the minute the storm passed. The storm passed, and we expect that that's going to be the same. Even if we have a loss of power, we have a generator, so we do expect to be running after the storm has passed. We're not expecting much damage. We are making preparations to safeguard our data to safeguard our equipment. We will be shutting everything down, making sure everything is surge protected. Through our partnership with, with Frost Time, they have, and, uh, they have given us um, industrial coolers and liquid CO2 units that will keep our insulin cold and track the temperature of our insulin throughout the storm. So even if we lose power, all of our cold chain products will be packed with, using the Frost Time equipment and we will be able to monitor its temperature and its integrity throughout the storm. Um, we do have a number of facilities that do have backup generators. So if we are out of power for an extended period of time, we will be up and running through one of those backup facilities and through our generators and using hotspots through our phones to be able to dispense medications for any patients. So we will figure out how to get uh, up and running as soon as the storm passes. And you should be able to hear from us. If we do experience a, a store closure... Um, which which would be Tuesday morning. The storm should be upon us right right around us going through Orlando. So our Orlando location may be closed on Tuesday, but we're not announcing any uh, unplanned store closures. At this time, you will hear from us. Check, check out our Facebook page and our Twitter feed and all of that. And if we have to issue a press release, we will do so letting everybody know of a potential store closure. But for now, we will be closed Sunday and Monday, which is usual closure for Labor Day. And we hope everybody is is safe and dry. If you're in Florida, stay safe and dry during the storm. We'll, you'll hear from us after. And if you're outside of, of Florida, uh, we wish we were with you. And and we hope you have a wonderful Labor Day weekend. And if you have employees or if you have anybody, shake their hands. We're nothing without them. So I hope everybody and, and your employees as well have a wonderful holiday. I think that is the end of this meeting. If anybody has anything else to add, otherwise we are going to adjourn and have a wonderful day. Okay, the meeting is adjourned. Thank you, everybody. Um, and by the way, you didn't see, you guys weren't here. There were a lot of no nodding, so I'm hoping that that suffices for the record, <laughs> that nobody had anything to add. Um, <laughs> this is the, the, our first um Hopefully we'll have another another meeting where more people can attend. And by the way, if you didn't come in because of the storm or for any reason, feel free to visit. You can take a tour of the pharmacy. You can come here and tour corporate office. We'll take you to Davie. We'll take you wherever you like. Just come here and see us. We think you'll have a, a, a much 
better sense of your investment if you do. And we're open to answering your questions and, and showing you around. So if you didn't weren't able to come because of this, come next week, come next month, come whenever you feel like we're here for you. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful weekend. All right, that concludes the call. If you'd like to listen to an archived version of this call, it'll be available at smallcapvoice.com. Have a wonderful weekend.